Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. You got me shaking, This week, we cross, connect with a matchmaker off the list. But not just any matchmaker, an Irish matchmaker. And not just any Irish matchmaker, but the Irish matchmaker. But before we get to that, let me tell you what you really want to know. So, what did Hubba Hubba say? As you may recall, I had just texted him a very flirty invitation. And within two minutes, he was already replying. Rachel. Good to hear from you. And I'd love to meet for a drink sometime. I don't play it cool. I respond immediately with, perfect. I'm off to the UK next week. So how about when I get back? Oh, fun. Vacation? Sounds great. Before I reply, I decide to save his name in my phone. I open up the contacts and type in hubba hubba. There. Now he's saved in my phone. My real phone. I had given him my real phone number. So this feels good. Okay, back to my reply. Yeah, I'm going to visit some friends in Dublin and Manchester. I'll have plenty of stories and can impress you with my Irish accent that comes out after I've had a drink or two. Love it. Looking forward to a fun night with you. I contemplate sending Katie's rawr response, but instead go with my favorite emoji, the smirky one. Ten minutes later, he replies, And send pictures. Two exclamation points. Oh, crap. Does he mean of my trip or of me? I think he means my trip. I mean, that would be the normal thing, but he's a guy. They always want pictures. Maybe he doesn't remember who I am and wants to see me. I decide he must be asking for pictures of me. So I reply, of me, yeah? As a reminder, LOL. He replies, LOL, of your fun trip. And then adds, but a view too is always nice. Okay, that was my second guess, I say, LOL. And I send the photo from my dating profile of me in a green dress. If you've seen my Instagram, you know the one. I add, I hate pictures of me, but here's one just to jog your memory. LOL. Stay tuned for pics of various pubs and the Man City Football Stadium. LOL. He replies with, I remember that one. So that's why I left it with Hubba Hubba. And I turned my attention to preparing for my trip to the UK. As I mentioned last episode, I had re-downloaded my dating app in an effort to scope out the men of Manchester and Dublin. After accumulating options, I picked three of the potential matches to match. Yes, this trip is supposed to be about work, about the podcast, about crossing things off the bucket list. But honestly, I'm more excited about seeing my friends and getting over my fear of flying internationally again. So the three guys I picked really stood out to me physically. Of course, they all look similar, as I've realized with horror that I have a type. And I also really like their profiles. The first guy, timed out. He didn't even reply. Okay, strike one. The second guy, though, turns out he's an Irishman living in Manchester. His profile reads, would be great to bump into someone in Starbucks, but I guess this is how it's done. I take this as a sign. We chat a bunch and his accent is dreamy. There's a feature where you can leave voice notes on the dating app. I love listening to his voice and he's a really good communicator. He messages that he'll be in LA this week for work and asks, 
fancy that Starbucks? Turns out he's a pilot. I love the idea of meeting this guy for coffee before my trip. I look at my calendar. I have a bunch of things going on and I'm no longer available to move things just to go out with a new guy. So I tell him I'm free Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning. A couple days go by and I don't hear anything. I start to feel like I'm waiting to hear from him. I know I don't want to feel that way. So I challenge myself to just let it go. What would it feel like to not have to have a message from him and not care? That would be good. I hate, hate, hate the feeling of waiting to hear from a guy. Friday night, it's been a couple days since I gave him my availability. I realize that there are two ways I cannot feel like I'm waiting on someone. The first is to push against my natural inclinations and label them as wrong. Like I shouldn't feel that way. The second is to set a boundary and declare to myself and the universe that I like when men are good communicators. Nothing wrong with bad communicators. They're just not for me. So I decide my preferred method of not feeling like I'm waiting around is to not wait around. Could he have a good reason? Absolutely. But I choose to unmatch him and it provides immediate relief. I'm not doing this from a place of being angry or disappointed. It's more just the awareness that I want someone who communicates like I do, like hubba hubba. The guy's an emergency room doctor and still always replies immediately when I text. And I don't expect that. A reply the same day, not three to five business days is all I'm asking. The saying, when someone shows you who they are, believe them, is so important during this dating process. I don't want to spend time or energy waiting around or trying to understand someone's motivation. I want matching energy. If you're busy, say so. If we're not meeting, say that too. Strike two. The last guy looks exactly, like exactly like a guy from my past. I call him the doppelganger. Like almost to the point where I think maybe I should unmatch him. But we agree to meet for a drink when I'm in Manchester. He's excited to meet a new person and also at the prospect of getting an invitation to come visit me stateside. Communication drops off. And as I'm getting ready to leave for my trip, I message him about potentially meeting Wednesday night. I don't hear back. A couple days pass. I unmatch him too. Strike three. To be clear, I unmatched the Irish pilot and the doppelganger without feeling mad or even disappointed. I've finally learned not to get too excited about or invested in anyone too soon. Even hubba hubba. We just have to see what happens. How is it going to play out? I've learned. I just have to wait and see. All of a sudden, a DM comes through Instagram that reads, just saw this now. How can I help? What? Who is this? Oh, yeah. The Irish matchmaker. So, okay. About a month ago, I sent a DM to this guy. Here's what happened. So thanks to you guys, the podcast has hit various charts internationally. I can't thank you all enough for listening downloading, reviewing, rating, sharing. I can't tell you how happy it makes me that you're enjoying the podcast. And so when we hit a new chart, I'm always curious to see who else is on the charts with me. So when we hit the charts in Thailand, thanks to my friend that I met at Starbucks, who used to be a teen pop sensation over there and was a guest on the stand-up comedy episode, the podcast right above mine on the charts in Thailand was called, Is This Why You're Single? And so I clicked on it. I was excited to see it was a podcast by an Irish matchmaking agency. Was it a coincidence they had just booked a trip to Dublin where they're headquartered? I looked at their address. 
Grafton Street. Was it a coincidence that I had just booked the Grafton Hotel for my trip? Nope, I don't believe in coincidences. The Irish Matchmakers podcast is new and doesn't have any ratings on Apple yet. And I can't find the podcast in the global ranking website that I use. They don't have a huge Instagram following, so I feel comfortable just being my quirky self. I DM the agency and I start with, so this may sound weird, but I'll risk it. And I end with, feel free to ignore me if you don't see the magic here. It had been about 10 days and I look and the DM hasn't been read. Maybe they don't see messages there. So I find his personal Instagram page and I send him a new message. It reads, hi, I sent you a message on your business page about your podcast. Maybe you intended to ignore it. And in that case, carry on. But just in case you missed it, I sent it on your matchmaking page. And then I add in parentheses, this isn't a weird spam message. I'm just a real weird person, LOL. So now it's been two weeks since I sent that. And honestly, I had completely forgotten about it. See, this is an example of not being in the waiting energy. I was just open to the adventure, but didn't have any expectations or hopes. I was just following the nudges. So now I reply and tell him the whole story. I found him on the Thailand podcast charts. I'm coming to Dublin. And I just wanted to see if he was open to some sort of collaboration. We exchange phone numbers and agree to meet the day after I fly into Dublin. So now I'm in Dublin. And my second day of my visit, I show up at his offices and I ring the bell. Hello? Someone replies. Uh, hi, it's Rachel, I say. Come in and all the way up. A handsome young guy greets me. I didn't know Fergal had an appointment, he says. Can I get you something to drink? I'm sweating from the walk over. The weather in Dublin is warm and beautiful, and I've just walked up three or four flights of stairs. He walks me to a large room and leaves me to get my water. A couple minutes later, he's back and gives me the water. Fergal will be right in, he says. While I wait, I decide to look up his agency, Intro Matchmaking. There's a video of a segment they did on the Late Late Show out in Ireland. Uh, oops, this is the largest matchmaking agency in Ireland. And I'm about to meet with their CEO. I thought I was messaging some little mom and pop business like mine. Fergal walks in, smiles, and shakes my hand and sits down. Here's a clip of our conversation. You can watch the entire conversation on my YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time to meet with me from a random message on Instagram, not knowing who I am. Um, I really appreciate your time. Pleasure. Love it. I love all these opportunities. So just as we get started, because I had the misconception about your agency from your podcast, it's called, Is This Why You're Single, right? Yes. Yes, we always felt that this is why you're single is just too arrogant to tell people exactly why they are single. I think it should be up to them to maybe uh, see little parts of them in our podcast uh, or our ebook and then decide, actually, do you know what? I, I, I'm guilty of that. Maybe I should amend that. I like that. That's a good approach. I think people are more open when you ask it to them in a question than, you know, a declaration. So, yeah, that's asking for a lot of self-awareness, though, of people. So, yeah. It is, but I, I don't think you're ready for dating unless you are self-aware to know, you know, what you're doing right or wrong. I think you should wait until you get that moment of anagnosis or that enlightenment uh, that you actually realize, actually, this is who I am. And this is probably who I need to be close to and looking for. I love that. Okay, that's a good answer. 
Okay. So tell me, because I had the misconception based on how I found you, that you were just like a one-man shop, kind of maybe like in a little village, grassy (laughs) area, you know, trying to get the locals to connect. And I thought, you know, maybe there's something here for me as far as learning how to date when I'm here in the UK. But I want to know first about intro matchmaking and kind of who you are. Okay. This country has a lot of single people and it's really hard to meet people because again, we repress everything. We don't put ourselves out there. And so we thought, geez, let's, let's become like the most private and confidential dating agency, matchmaking agency in the country. Let's model it like a GP surgery where it's totally anonymous. No one gets your surname, photograph or phone number. Nothing ever goes online. So we, uh, we said, ah, my job in property, it's kind of annoying. I'm sick of the, there was like a property crash going on. So the price were going really low, 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 and commissions were slow to come in. So I think, oh God, I'm sick of working for the man. I want to do my own thing. And she was sick of working for the radio station because it was just a little bit too far away and all that. So um, we decided let's let's become the most established and professional and private and confidential agency. And when it was the recession, you were able to get really good deals on amazing, you know, units and accommodation and rent and uh, advertising was really cheap. Uh, Like staff were much cheaper than they used to be. So we got our name out there fairly quickly and we, we opened up and it was just myself and Rena working there for the first good six or seven or eight months. So we were taking on all the new people. We were advertising. I was doing as many radio interviews and TV interviews as I possibly could. And within about a year, we were the biggest in the country. And, and now, I suppose, rolling on 13 and a half years, fast forward, we have a team of 10 matchmakers full time. We organize over 100 introductions or dates every single week all over the 32 counties of Ireland. We have thousands of members between the ages of 20 and 93 years of age and everything in between. And everyone's either single, separated, divorced or widowed, but looking for long-term committed relationships, companionships or marriage. That's an absolute must. They also have to abide by policies, which we can probably go into later on, which is probably very important, actually. That's the main reason why there's so many single people in this country. And so we became kind of a club as opposed to just an open door policy matchmaking agency. It's not like the old diddly eye, tell me your, uh, your star sign and, uh, you, you know, whatever else. And we'll, we'll do this little hocus pocus leprechaun type stuff, magic dust. None of that. We deal in facts. We deal in stats and figures. We look at CSO, the central statistics office all the time to update ourselves on if a person is living in a certain location, what should they need to be open to in terms of distance, uh, in terms of age, expectations. That's a major, major, major issue in all, all over the world, obviously, men having outrageous expectations that the woman should be 20 or 30 or 40 years younger uh, than he is because he's got a bit of money or else he has no money. But he just thinks he's entitled to get that because he's a guy. Um, and then the educational snobbishness, that's a huge thing. So this, these are all things we didn't know in year one when we opened our doors naively. And so the first year was really tough. And we thought, oh, my God, we quit our good jobs, our pensionable jobs. You know, and now we're on our own and everyone told us that we're crazy to be a matchmaking agency, but we just didn't listen. We said, no, we're quite dogged that way and we're quite driven. If we know we want to do something, we do and we don't stop. Um, but then we started questioning ourselves. We said, people are so difficult. People are so horrendously challenging to, to, to deal with. And no one wants to travel anywhere. They're all really up themselves in terms of the ego is probably coming out, but it's probably insecurities camouflaged as arrogance. They all claim to look 20 years younger than they are, even though they look every single day their age. And then this academic snobbishness from a whole load of women to men were like ringing up saying, I've got a PhD from Trinity College. I'm a partner in the law firm. I'm a doctor. I'm a surgeon in here. I'm a dude. So I only want to meet guys who have the same level of qualifications as I have. So I suppose intro, what it's done over the years is it taught us that 
people are amazing for the most part, but you really need to home in on what the um, the hurdles and the the obstacles that people are putting in their way, and you need to identify those, put it to the person, and tell them that if you're willing to tweak what you're doing, then you're more than welcome to come on board, and we will definitely work together to try and find you your best possible match. So I've learned that there are those that can be pleased and those that can't, and uh, I've learned the the most valuable thing is. I hate the expression, what's meant for you won't pass you by, because it really does. And uh, people in Ireland especially are very much asleep at the wheel, and they hope that it's just going to happen upon themselves. And they'll be out one night and someone will just turn up and be like, yeah, have the meet cute moment. And it's very Disney-like. And as I, as I, I think it's, and not to sound like I'm, I'm laying into Americans, I love America more than anything. We get a lot of inquiries from America, um, an awful lot, who may have met somebody who was Irish on holidays. And her name was, I don't know, Fanula, and she had lovely fiery red hair, and she was a great Colleen, and uh, she had lovely freckles. And we got on so well because she said, hello, hi, how are you? My name is Fanula. And so therefore, we must be destined to be together. So I have to be with an Irish person. And they, they use that one moment. And, and it's so nice and so romantic and so beautiful to think that someone could have such hope uh, <laughs> and aspirations that, that something like that could happen. And it could happen. But if I can say, uh, Irish people need a little bit more of that Disney. And sometimes I would say Americans need a little bit more of the, not pessimism, but but re- realism. I like to be a balance of Disney and realist, definitely. Yes. And some days I'm way more Disney and some days I'm way more realist. And actually, some of the things I struggle with, and here's a question for you that came up for me. And it's funny because you're describing your first year as a business owner, intro matchmaking. That was my first year in dating. I was just like... Disney and everything's going to be great. And I was like, ooh, people are yucky and they're not nice and they judge you and they ghost you and they do all sorts of stuff. So I have learned a lot of lessons, but there are a couple that I still wonder about. For example, this balance of settling, and maybe you don't like the word settling, but settling and being overly picky or judgmental. Like I went out with someone that I had no physical attraction to, but on paper, this man is like an ideal candidate. He checks all the boxes, but I'm not physically attracted to him. And for me, passion and sex is an important, I mean, probably for most people, hopefully, an important component of a relationship. So like, I don't want to be like, kind of, ew, every time he tries to touch me. So how do you, what's the balance there? How do you, how do you know if you're settling and pushing yourself or you're being a jerk? I think if, 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 if you've got some solid confidants uh, in your close inner circle who will fill you full of honesty and not hot air, that's very important because I get every day, Circa, how could you possibly date this guy? I mean, look at you. You're this, you're that height, you're beautiful. Your skin looks so amazing for your age. You eat fish all the time. You've got serious omega levels. You drink <laughs> 10 pints of water every single day. You look 10 years younger. He is like your grandfather. Seriously, what are you doing? Even though he might be totally appropriate for her and the nicest guy ever who will provide for her, who not provide for her financially, but who will provide a nice, uh, stable sort of environment, who will be a 50-50 uh, partner, companion. And she could learn to absolutely really engage with him and, and, and just get close and close and closer to him. But the more friends you have in your inner circle that are telling you that you could do better, the more you start to think that, oh, I need to, I need to raise this bar. So it makes you then start to feel superhuman. 
or you might well have been happy with that person, but all your friends are going to judge you if you go near that guy who they think is icky. So then you're thinking, geez, I, I would have gone there, but now I can't because they'll all judge me. So it's, a, it's really important not to have too many cooks spoiling things for you. Uh, but also not to think like a 15-year-old whereby, oh, I know straight away for her. I know like instantaneously if I'm attracted to that person. So don't even bother. Uh, but we don't show photographs. Nobody in intro gets surnames, photographs, or phone numbers, and nothing ever goes online. So, you know, a lot of the time people say men are all about looks. They want big this. They want blonde this. They want da 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 da, da. Men, well, obviously, 14 years in business has proven that is not always the case. If the guy is clued in, copped on, street smart, if he knows what he's about, what the men are looking for is, I just want down-to-earth, grounded, genuine, decent, normal. Yes, she looks after herself, takes pride in her appearance, but I'm not looking for a supermodel. I'm not looking for whatever. Whereas women's bar is, is way up here. Way. I mean, they want the George Clooney. They want the fine wine drinking. They want the skiing twice a year. They want the living in the whatever has not, not looking for financial gain but they're looking for the fact that he must be six foot four he must be you know uh into this that and the other but the average height of a male in ireland is five foot seven and a half and the yeah. average height of a woman is five five and a half so when they say to me i'm just being honest Virgil. i'm just not attracted to guys unless they're over six foot two i'm like it's not about you being honest that's like starting a sentence by saying not to be a total bitch but and then you say something really bitchy and yeah. it doesn't justify it and i have to deal in reality here and i have to be saying no 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 it's about numbers guys you're saying you want this, but I'm telling you, this is the actual fact. Now there's guys breaking their knees and grow, extending out their bones to get two inches, three inches taller, literally. So um, it's it's outrageous. Oh, I'd rather have a short guy that's happy with who he is than someone breaking his knees to get decapitated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Somebody, yeah. Somebody's weird numbers game. Well, that, that's the thing. But then the, the second thing, I mean, it's funny you say that because Irish people, myself and Rena, if we went online to try and meet each other, we never would have because she would have gone for a six foot four rugby player and I would never have gone older. Uh, and and now she is older and I am the like, same height, if not an inch, probably shorter, truth be told. And she likes wearing f- five, four inch heels. So, and I'm like, that's fine. But if you're kind of, if you're semi-secure in yourself and you know who you are and you have a nice relationship and you know that there's an inner self-awareness and a self-belief and an inner confidence that's come in from, you know, childhood or wherever, then it won't matter whether, you know, she's towering over you or whatever. But the settling thing, I really think uh, it is a phrase that I don't love. It's not to settle is not lowering uh, expectations. It's just having reasonable ones and understanding that maybe the type that I've been going for all along hasn't been working. So when they say to me, I want that type, this isn't my type. That doesn't fall into the category of what I describe as my type. I say, well, that's great, Mary, because your type hasn't been working for the last 20 years when you've been looking to meet Mr. Wright. So I think you need to let us tweak what you're doing. So not having a type is, is so key and not being too quick to judge and not expecting the sparks to be just bursting out of everywhere for this very second you meet the person. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Last week when I was home, I went on a date with this guy and he was fine. It was fine. Like he was nice. He's, he had good hobbies. I didn't want to do jujitsu. I'm happy he's doing jujitsu. I found it attractive that he had these hobbies he was doing with his kids. I found all these great quali- qualities about him. I didn't feel a spark, but it was, it was fine. It was a nice first date. And at the end of it, I was like, I think that I should message him and say, thank you for that to let him know that like, if he wants to go out again, I'm open to it, but I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm not there. And he replied and said, you're a spectacular lady. I know you'll find your best match soon. I just didn't find that deeper connection that I was looking for. And I thought, 
we went to lunch at a like fast food, healthy restaurant. Like how much of a connection are you going to get in an hour sitting on a patio in a crowd? Like, should I have like ripped your clothes off? I don't know. And it, yeah. to me, it felt like, oh, okay, maybe I was wrong in waiting to see if something could grow. Maybe he was right that you should feel something. You should be excited to see the person again. But it sounds like you're saying, give it a chance to open up to, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't repulsive. It wasn't like we hated each other. It was just like a fine conversation that you'd have with someone standing in line with you at the Starbucks, you know? Yeah. And I think the key here, whenever I, and we organize a lot of dates, I think the key is for the individuals to say to the other person and show their interest right there. And then instead of leaving, because the other person will doubt themselves, start second guessing themselves and think, oh, well, he didn't ask for my number. So clearly he's not interested. So that then will make me start saying, well, feck him. I'm not interested either. I don't care, uh, even though they might be. So it, like ego can be bruised quite easily. And so then the person then starts to say, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't. So but if he's on a date, and I often say to guys, would you please just tell the person that you want to bring them to the restaurant that they mentioned down in Tipperary or over in Cork or whatever uh, for their next date and have some plan in place to proactively have a plan in place and say in a non-threatening way, don't say, give me your number, Mary, but just say, here's my number, Mary. I definitely want to see you again. Uh, and that shows that, you know, I'm confident. I know that you're definitely going to respond to my uh, text. I know you're going to get on to me. Uh, and like, Guys showing women that they are confident in this country anyway is really important. America, I don't think you have that issue of guys not being confident enough. Uh, it's probably the opposite, uh, in fairness, uh, I would imagine. Well, usually it's more they're not interested. Like yeah, they yeah, just, yeah. you know, like it, it's, it's attractive when they say, I want to see you again. I like that, but yeah. I don't always get that. So in that scenario, what can the woman say to like let the guy know? Or should it always be up to the guy to? say, here's my number. Oh, geez. No, 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 no. Uh, but guys can be intimidated by some women's overconfidence as well. Guys do like the, it's the, the whole hunter-gatherer kind of chase thing is still important to guys deep down. Um, so if they feel that the woman is either A, uh, super successful and intimidatingly so, or that she doesn't need me in any way, shape, or form. She doesn't need me financially. She doesn't need me to whatever. She, If you appear to be a person that just could take or leave me and you'll still be so fine, then you're fine. But then the other thing is, other guys don't want the woman to be a sponge and to be expecting uh, that he's going to pay for everything the whole time and be kept and move into his house all the time. So some people just can't be pleased. And that's why I'm saying you have to strike that balance of being interested and interesting on the dates. Uh, and you say, look, you know what? Easy breezy. If you want to see again, uh, see me again, I'd like to. I mean, I'm not saying that there was like palpable chemistry right now, but we are here in this little fast food vegan joint with loads of random people here. So uh, probably not going to be, uh, um, you know, alarm bells and uh, or, or sparks flying uh, right now. But I think it will be cool. There's an event happening next week about, you know, being my plus one. If you want to, great. If you don't, easy, breezy, whatever. Uh, not looking like you really want him to say yes right there and then is important. Uh, but at the same time, I hate mind games. I hate them. And I hate people saying, oh, let's wait a few days uh, before we text. I can't stand that. Again, we're not 15. We just need to say, and time is precious and we are, life is short. And so I think people just to just be totally honest and upfront from the get-go and say, look, we're here. It's Tuesday afternoon. It's sunny. Uh, it probably would be nice to do a more romantic kind of a setting uh, to find out more about each other. If there's even an ounce of spark, I tell all our people just to go on a second date to exhaust the possibility. Because sometimes the guy might take the guitar out after three dates 
and be like, Jesus Christ, I didn't know you said you could you can sing like this. I didn't know you write your own music. This is ridiculous. I'm really attracted to you right now. And yeah. so then it's like, boom, here we go. And uh, and they surprise themselves. So let allow yourself to be pleasantly surprised and and not to like I had one woman who said no to a guy because she had in her head that she wanted to have blonde babies. And this guy had auburn oh hair, but he was ideal for her in every way. She refused him because he had auburn hair. So there are some people who are just guilty of complete self-sabotage. And yeah. they're just, they're, they're never going to um, allow themselves to ever be happy um, when they're ridiculous about that stuff. Well, I mean, like, uh, it, it, like, oh, another woman said, I'll only meet the guy if he drives around, if he, if he drives around, if he's driven around Italy in, an, in a convertible car, classic car. I said, are you joking? Is this, is this actually a joke? She said, no, no. Like I, and she saw a movie and she was really attracted to the guy in the movie who did that. And she thought, that's going to be the guy for me. If a guy has done that, that means that he's open enough. He drives classic cars and he loves the wilderness. He likes fine wines. That means it must be the guy for me. I mean, that, that stuff is terrifying. Like, and that's how people think a lot of the time. And we're thinking, no, guys, is the guy or the woman going to be kind and caring? Are they going to look after you if you're sick? Are they going to be a good parent to your children if you have them? Are they going to want a 50-50 partnership? Uh, are they going to be kind? Um, and nice. And are they attractive? Yes. Great. Lovely. I want attractive. Like to me, I feel like people that think like that, I, I can't even relate to. I mean, because it's not just how they feel probably about a partner. They probably feel like that in every area of their life. So in a situation like that, do you try to convert them to your way of thinking and open them up? Or do you just leave them how you found them and go, thank you, but this is not a match? For the first 10 years of intro, I used to try and be a superhero and convert. And then, uh, we got too busy and I, I got old and um, I'm, I'm 40 nearly next week, week after. And so I said, no, life is short. I'm not going to battle you if you're this way now. And you could be 20. You could be a really annoying 20-year-old who just won't see anyone else's viewpoint. And I'm like... Or a 70-year-old. I'm sure the older men that want a 25-year-old are just as infuriating. Oh, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't spend time with those. And they, we, we get about four or five calls from 65 to 70 year old country men who would live on the farm. In Ireland, what's very normal is for the, the eldest son to inherit the land and the farmhouse, but they will then remain on with the parents, looking after them in their older years. And then they'll die at 90 or 80 or whatever. And then the son is there 65 and thinks, oh yeah, hey, oh, light bulb moment. I think I want kids. And I think I'll call intro and ask them for a 30 year old woman. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you see, I can't ask the, the, the solicitor circuit to move down from Dublin down to Tralee and Kerry to have a baby and be your little baby making machine would you believe because she has a choice here women have choices do you realize and so um, uh, yeah he's, he's usually but you're like you know I mean I'm just a man who wants, wants children I need an heir to pass on my land to and I'm, why can't I get that I was like you can't just like you're buying a car demand the Mercedes have the beige leather interior and the 22 rim inch rim uh, wheels it's not like that and they, they really think it's transactional they really think it's like well if I'm paying you for a service I expect you to get what I'm looking for. Like a mail order bride kind of situation. And, 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 you know, women will do it all the time as well. And it's just, it's terrifying. And this is the, the danger. We get fixated on certain types and specific sort of characteristics that we think is right for us. And that we don't deviate from that. And we don't, and we just get tunnel vision. And we just focus, focus, focus on that. And we don't listen to other people. Okay, so final question. As you know, the premise of my podcast is a bucket list. I go out and I kind of do things on a spectrum of embarrassment to help me meet guys and hopefully find love. So while I'm here in Dublin, and I'm also going to Manchester, any uh, task that you think I should put on my list and do? 
funny you asked that. Uh, we had a debate in the office just there, and it was all about, um, it was all about, oh yeah, emasculating men and okay. what emasculates them. And the, the, the real, the way to navigate and to source the guys who actually have enough self-esteem to be able to cope with strong, powerful women who are successful and all the rest. And so we've had a few situations whereby guys would come and join intro because the girlfriend proposed to him. Hmm. Yeah. And so as much to say, you Irish, lazy, whatever, you didn't hurry up. You, do, you were not putting a ring on it. So I'm going to take the initiative here and I'm going to just, you know, take the reins and I'm going to do this. So, and a few of them did it in the public places in front of the entire family. Uh, so all the relatives could see. So it's like saying you're slow. You, you, you're not, a, you're not a manly man. You're not making decisions. I'm, I'm, I'm done wasting time and waiting for you. So I'm going to do that. So, and not to be really crude, and I don't know how crude I can get here, but it's basically like chopping the guys and eating it in front of them. It really is. It, it, no matter what people think, it's, it's absolutely emasculating. And whether it's a leap year or not is neither here nor there. If the guy hasn't done it, he hasn't done it for a reason. Yeah. If, if, if you are wanting it to happen, the two of you need to discuss it openly and actually say, let's actually, are, are we going there? Are we going to be doing this? And if we are doing this, let's make a plan. If the guy won't make the plan, if you said it and said it and said it, and he still won't do it, you proposing to him is, is probably not going to make it work. You're not going to ask me to propose to somebody, right? No, I'm going to ask you to approach a group of guys around, around the UK, around around the UK, and ask them what their reaction would be if uh, a woman proposed to them. And the, a lot of woke guys who want to be really 2023 will say, oh, it's fine. Sure. I mean, equal, equal, you know, it's fine, whatever. Uh, they do not mean that. I'm telling you now, they do not mean it. They're just saying to try and be current and zeitgeisty. Um, I think that's a very good conversation starter because that would break the ice immediately. And you can say, I'm doing it for a podcast. You can say, whatever. Um, also, asking a guy like here, I'm not weird, but do you want to drink? Uh, it's a great first one-liner. Just just get out there. and Because a lot of guys will suspect that, oh, who's this one lurking around the bar? Does she want me to buy her like lots of Dom Perignon because I heard that's all she drinks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. Oh, okay. That's good to know. So if I offer to buy them one, that's kind of yeah, a different... Yeah, and I don't want one back. And I don't want one back. I'm not looking for anything in return. I'm not a weirdo. If you like Irish guys and, and, and guys around the UK, they've got, they, they are funny. They, they have a good sense of humor and they would like banter. They love if the woman is fun. They love if the woman is good crack. If you're a good crack and, and you look after yourself, bonus. That's what they say. I want someone who's good fun, looks after herself, pride and appearance, not too serious, says yes when she means yes, no when she means no. But if you're a, a, a blunt without being offensive, if you're, if you're, if you're <laughs> just honest without being intimidatingly confident, then you're fine. Okay, I can do that. I think you should do that. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Good. And we should follow up. Okay, we will. I leave that meeting with Fergal buzzing. I just feel so grateful that he took the time to meet with me. I feel so proud that I reached out to a complete stranger on Instagram, not worrying that he would think I was a total whack job. And we ended up having an amazing conversation and getting all that great advice that I get to share with you guys. So I left that meeting on top of the world. Then I meet up with my friend, Julie. We have afternoon tea, Dublin style, and spend the rest of the day and night exploring Dublin. I'll be back in Dublin in a couple days. But in the meantime, I'm off to Manchester in the morning. At this point, we're at the hotel. I slip into bed. I start to think about what Fergal said. What's meant for you will pass you by. Hmm. I think about Hubba Hubba. He had asked me to send pictures, right? And 
it's eight hours earlier back home. I asked Julie, do you think I should text Hubba Hubba? She smiles and nods. So I send him a photo and a quick note that says, I promised you pictures. Here's one of the sky from last night. It's 18 hours of sunshine here and we can't even get one at home. Again, less than five minutes later, he's already responding. I have to say, his responsiveness is attractive. Okay, I'm off to bed now. I have homework to do and tomorrow's gonna be a big day. It's funny, looking back, as I drifted off to sleep, I had no idea just how big that next day would be for me. I hope you love that episode of Love Before 100. Be sure to tune in next time to see what happens and to help me cross another thing off my bucket list. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Love Before 100 to guarantee you don't miss a thing. That's been-